hearts. Well, if we'd been back in the day of our fathers, we would have respected them. We would have honored the prophets. And we would have had no doing with the stoning or killing of any of them. But Jesus calls them just what they were. You're a bunch of serpents, you're vipers, and you're hypocrites. Because you have testified that you are children of your father, and you would do the very same thing your fathers had done. In fact, he was portraying to them what they would do to the Son of Man, what they too would do to him. They would be the ones that would cry out, crucify him. They would be the ones who would stir the crowd, and they would be the ones who would encourage that their Messiah, that their king, who they had waited for, who they rejected, when he come to them, they would be the ones that would cry out for his death. He would be to them, and he still is today, a great teacher, as we read in his writings, his words, his lessons. A great teacher he was. He is. A master he was. He is. A king he was. He is and will be. He is the Almighty. He is everything to those who trust Him. He is everything to them who put confidence in Him. But Jesus went on to tell about the prophets and how that you, your fathers, stoned them. You killed them. They killed the prophets, and you're no different. You're no better. And He is pointing out to them that the spirit that their fathers had, they also have the very same spirit. I want to ask a question tonight. We've got some Bible scholars in here. Who was the very first Bible prophet? Anybody know? I, I, hey, it don't hurt to guess. Come on, I, I'm listening. Who was the first prophet? We got any brave ones out here tonight? Anybody? Who can we say from the Scripture was our first prophet. Go with me to Jude chapter, or, well, Jude, <laughs> verse 14. I'm so you say a chapter. It is the chapter. Jude, verse 14. Let's get our answer tonight. Who was the first prophet? Jude 14. And then we're going to bounce back to Genesis 5.24. Jude 14 says, And Enoch also was the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. He would prophesy. He would leave. In fact, in Genesis, we read Genesis 5, 24, says, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. God took him. He walked with God and was not. He was our first prophecy, prophesied about how that the Lord would come with ten thousands of his saints. He was able to see the day of the coming of the Son of Man. He was able to see the day when the Lord would come triumphantly. Are you looking forward today? We got anybody excited about that day of the coming of the Lord when he's coming back for his awaiting bride? I, if you can't get excited about that, my friend, you're dead. You need to get revived because that's what we're living for. We are living for the coming of the Lord. We are living for the, uh, the what's termed the rapture of the church or the catching away of the church, but we are longing for that day. My friend, if you don't have that end goal, you're missing it. And you may miss it. God help us tonight. 
Let's remember what it's all about. And so Jude tells us that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. I thought this was interesting. In the Hebrew, his name means initiated. He was taken without facing death. Isn't that something? Have you ever wondered about that? I have. I've wondered about that. He never faced death, and apparently he knew that his time was coming. He knew, just as Elijah knew his time was coming, he knew his purpose. And it's interesting, and, and I might say, and I kind of add this in my little notes here, it is one of heaven's many secrets that we'll learn about in eternity. One of those many secrets that is in the Word of God. And I long, don't, I, I can hardly wait. I am longing for my heavenly home. I, I'll tell you what, I, I love people. I love my children. I love my wife. I love you. And, you know, there's a lot of things I love in this life. But I'll be honest with you. I'm feeling more each and every day, even so. <laughs> even so, come Lord Jesus Oh, I feel it, don't you? Every day I'm feeling a little bit more desire that I am longing to hear my Lord say, come up higher. I am looking forward to that great catching away day. Oh, I've got some treasures down here. They're minimal, but they don't mean that much to me. I'm looking forward to my heavenly home and the treasures I have laid up in heaven. Oh, church tonight, I'm excited because something is getting ready to happen. Jesus Christ is soon to return for his bride. He is coming and coming soon. The next prophet, and I'm just going to jump around because we could go in order, but just, just bear with me because this is a pick and choose. Uh, so this is my choice, and I, I hope you'll, you'll enjoy it. But my next thought was Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, it tells us concerning Samuel, and I just want to read a portion of that verse. It says, for he that is now called a prophet was before time a called a seer. We'll read here in the reference 6-16 through 16 of that chapter where uh, Saul was looking for his daddy's donkeys. Remember that? And his companion said, hey, there's a seer. Why don't we go see the seer? And the seer can tell us where the donkeys are at. And of course, Saul had no idea that he was getting ready to be initiated and called and anointed the first king of Israel. Samuel, the prophet, the priest, the judge, would be the very one who would do that thing. He would anoint Israel's very first king. And that would be his job. He would do that. The call of Samuel, beautiful story we read, how that his mother who was barren, Hannah, could not have children, and how she had went to the temple with her husband, grieving, praying. And of course, the man of God thought that she had maybe been drunk, and she was not, and she was in bitterness of spirit and prayer. And when he come to realization, he said, The Lord, give thee thy petition. And he did not know what a great blessing that petition was going to become to him because that petition would be a man-child that would be born. The man-child that would be born would also become the very first, the very first one. He would be as a child called by God. Hear the voice of God. How many has ever loved it? Would you ever love to hear the voice of God or would it scare you half to death? <laughs> 
I, I struggle somewhere in between there, Brother Wilson. I, I, I thought I would love to hear the voice of God. I remember, and I'll just share this with you. One time I remember, man, just having a good old-fashioned prayer meeting by myself. It was when I just got full of the Holy Spirit. How many remember when you first got the Holy Ghost and, and man, how on fire and eager you was and using prayer and you know, uh, fasting and so forth? I remember I was by myself, no one in the house. It was just me having a good old prayer meeting and touching the Lord. And, oh, I was feeling so good. And I remember saying this, and I have never really prayed it like this before. <laughs> Be careful what you pray and how you pray. I'll tell you that much. I said, God, I want to feel your hand touch me. And literally, I felt a hand touch me. It made me turn my back like this. I felt like I was about ready to break in half. It scared me half to death. You talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm telling you what, that prayer meeting got more intensified. But I never did pray that prayer like that anymore. So I'm just telling you, God will honor an earnest request. And God heard the earnest request of this barren woman. She said, if you will give me, Lord, a man-child, I will dedicate him back to you the rest of his days. He would become one of the greatest prophets Israel would ever have. He would be a father to them and a father figure to them. He would lead them in times of discouragement. He would be a strength to them. And he would pray for them. And it's recorded how that he even said in his own words, and I'll have to paraphrase, he said it would be a sin to him if he would fail to pray for God's people. But he would pray over them every day the rest of his days. What a man of God. What a man of God. So what a great prophet Samuel was. And then it takes us to, and uh, of course our Bible is broken down. We've got what we call major and minor prophets but not necessarily because one was insignificant or one was more important than the other, but uh, the minor prophet Amos, because the writing was small. And I, I find Amos is an interesting prophet because he had been prior to a farmer, a farmer, a farmer and a shepherd. He did not go to the school of the prophets. He was not part of the school of the prophets. God called him for being a farmer and a shepherd. And he would be uh, a prophet during the reign of, I believe it was, King Uzziah and King Jeroboam II of Israel. He was king. They are, he was the prophet during these reigns of these two kings, the king of Judah, Uzziah, and Jeroboam II of Israel. But he would prophesy about a great earthquake that would come two years before it would come to pass. And it came to pass. And the prophecy that Amos would have, he would also be a a great blessing and an encouragement to future prophets such as Isaiah and Jeremiah. He would build a foundation for them, which leads us to Isaiah, probably one of my favorites. I, anybody got a favorite in here tonight of the, of the prophets that you like to read? Isaiah is probably one of my favorites. I would have to say Isaiah is one of my favorites. Uh, two passages of Scripture that we know well. In Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He would prophesy about the virgin birth of our Lord, our King, our Messiah, our God who would come. He would prophesy. And then in Isaiah 9 and 6, 6 one of, probably one of my most favorite verses. For unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called what 
Oh, come on, say his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he would be the courtyard preacher that God would send to a king who was dying. A king, he would say, Hezekiah, get your house in order because you're getting ready to die. But that same king would turn and face a wall and say, God, remember how I have walked before you. I have walked in a way of righteousness before you. God, look how I have tore down the uh, groves and the idols of those. Even my own father, I tore down all the idols and the groves that men had put up. And I worshipped you and followed you, God, with my whole heart. And he shared his testimony. And I love that God spoke to the prophet. He said, turn right back around. You go right back into that uh, king and you tell him, I have added years to his life. I have added years to his life. And I'm going to continue to bless him. So Isaiah was used. And then I thought this was pretty awesome. He tells this to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah says, and I'm kind of leery about this, but we're, we're talking Old Testament times. And he says, what will be a sign? <laughs> you know, the Lord, remember his words speaking about the generation that seeks after a sign. It is what kind of a generation? Eve on adulteress. And so we must be careful, but we're talking Old Testament times. And, and so Hezekiah says, Isaiah... Man of God, prophet, what will be the sign? What will be a sign? He says, well, how about uh, the old sundial? He says, how about the sun? You know, how about it going forward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah said, well, that's kind of a light thing. What about it going back 10 degrees? Now, that's amazing. And so, sure enough, the prophet prays, and God honors the request and the prayer. And the sundial goes back 10 degrees. Pretty awesome. So we read about the prophets and their positions, and Isaiah seems to be one of my favorite. But then I go to a prophet who follows, a prophet that we read about, a prophet that we really don't give a lot of credit to, possibly, and that was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Why was he known as the weeping prophet? Because Jeremiah had the great task. He had came to the time in Israel's place that rejected God long enough. May I say tonight, when you reject God long enough, my friend, mercy is running out and judgment will follow. Jeremiah would weep for days and cry and warn, and they would mock him, ridicule him, threw him in prison, in the dungeon. In fact, if you'll read, he was placed in a mucky mire dungeon where he sunk down in it because he was delivering the word of God. He had been mistreated and beaten, and he purposed within his heart, you know what, I am not saying nothing else. It just gets me nothing but trouble. Sometimes when we speak truth, it can get us in trouble. Sometimes when God will put something in our hearts, it'll cause someone not to like you because you've told them the truth. People don't want to hear the truth today. They would rather you tell something smooth. They would rather hear something for you that would make them feel good. But may I tell you something tonight? Not everything that makes you feel good is going to get you saved. 
Not everything that tickles your ears is going to save you from a devil's hell. But the word of God that will prick your heart and bring you conviction and bring you to an altar repentance is what every one of us, we need. Thank God for men who are bold enough to preach it, to teach it, and lived it, and continue to do so today. And it's because of that we are here today. Because there are men who stood on the word of God and what God gave them, they gave to us. And it's our job to take what we have received and to do our very best tonight, church, to live this with our whole hearts unto God. Remember, you're not doing this unto men. You're not doing this unto Pastor Reigns. I'm nobody. You're doing this unto God. So if you think you hurt me, you don't hurt me. You hurt yourself, and you displease your God. Our goals tonight are not to please men. Our goals tonight is to please our Heavenly Father. Our goals tonight is to say that we have done the best we know how to do. My friend, when the Lord comes back, he's not going to ask you all the good things you've done. He's not going to ask you all the things you've accomplished. He's going to ask you, have you done well? There's a big difference. Because doing well means you've done what he put in your heart to do. Anything less, he cannot say, well done. He cannot say it, and he won't. The prophet's job was to declare such words, and that wasn't always pleasant. When Jeremiah spoke to the king and told him about God's looming judgment, the king didn't want to hear it, and he was thrust into prison. He was put in the miry clay, and there he stayed until he was drawn out. And just as the king asked, and I want to share you this, what the king had asked him in Jeremiah 37, verses 16 and 17, concerning the looming judgment over Jerusalem, God's people. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 37, 16, 17, when Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and in the cabins, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. For he said, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. You've rejected God too long, and now God's judgment's coming upon you and the kingdom. You will be delivered into the hand of Babylon. You will become slaves to a foreign king, a heathen king, a Gentile king. Why? Because you forsook the Lord your God. Church, may I insert something right now? I love my country. I love this great United States. I love how it was founded. I love men that sacrificed and give their lives to break away from the tyranny and those that was trying to rule them. They broke away and declared independence and our nation become founded because men were willing to sacrifice. If you'll read about our founding fathers, almost every one of them died in poverty. Do you know that? Because they gave everything they had to make it happen. We today have got it so made. We've got it made so well. We don't know what real sacrifice is like. Oh, I know all of us have had some sacrifices along the way. These men gave every bit of their wealth. They lost almost everything. Some of them lost their lives. What does it say? Anything worth having requires a cost. 
Are we willing to count the cost? Are we willing to pay the price? I don't know what will be before the Lord comes. I really cannot tell you totally. I have my own ideas and ideals and opinion, as we all do. But I can tell you this much. We better be ready to stand because we're seeing things now we've never seen. We heard about it as children. We've heard old-time preachers preach about the end times. And it seemed like such a fantasy. It seemed like such a, a, a strange thing. They were prophesying of what would come. We are living it today. We are seeing it today. We are seeing the last. We are seeing the end days. My friend, it's time to wake up. It's time to shake yourself. It's time to pinch yourself. And where we are today, I'm telling you, we are not just in the midnight hour. We are in the final ticking seconds of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you what, God has tried and tried to shake his people. He is trying to awaken his bride. Church, I want to be awake. I want to be watching. I want to be waiting. I don't want to be caught asleep. I don't want to be undone. I don't want to be one of them who pretended. I don't want to be one of them that played church. Friend, I do this with all of my heart, with all of my soul because I want to hear him say well done. I want to hear him say well done. And if you and I don't do our best, you lose grace. May I say that again tonight? If we do not do our best, we lose and abuse grace. What did he say, the apostle in Romans 6? Because grace abounds. Because we got grace. Oh, God, help us. Help us tonight. Help our love for God become more fervent than it has ever been. Help us tonight, church, First Apostolic Church. And I want to branch out beyond our church. God's children everywhere. That we see where we are in time. The prophets warned and they foretold. Noah was also a prophet, wasn't he? And they laughed him to scorn. The Apostle Peter said, This time, this world is reserved unto fire, and God will destroy it with a quenching, a fire that is, it won't be quenched. It'll be a fire so extreme. Oh, church, if we could just get it in our minds. How many times have you ever been around a fire and got too close? And got burner got so close that you felt like you were scorched. And that's just nothing compared to eternity in a lake of fire. I've had some bad burns in my life. And I've seen some real bad burns in my life. And it's nothing compared to what I read about the lake of fire. Jesus warned about it. The greatest of all prophets, he warned about it. Jesus taught about hell more than any. Why? Because it's reality is soon to come. We've often heard this. Heaven has dimensions. It's 1,200 miles square. But hell has no dimensions. 
The Bible says it enlarges itself. Day by day, hell is growing. Why? Because so many folks won't adhere to the word. They despise the words of the prophet. They despise the words of the preacher. They despise the words of their Messiah. And there's only one place for those that have rejected the message, and that is a lake of fire. Therefore, hell hath enlarged itself and continues to grow daily. It is accommodating those each day that are dying without Christ that will go there. Thus, our job is so intense, our job is so important that we become his prophets. His prophets. You see, because we got the word of God that's already told us what's going to happen. So when we share it, we're telling them what's going to take place. We must tell the lost. We must tell the world. There is a heaven to gain, and there is a hell to shun. There is a city called heaven, but not everybody's going there. We love to sing, and I love to sing that song. I remember my grandfather when his final days were near, and he couldn't really talk, and I remember standing beside him praying with him. I began to sing the song when we all get to heaven. And he couldn't say the words, but he started grunting the tune when we all get to heaven. You see, but in our heart of hearts, we know whether we're ready or not. In our heart of hearts, we know if we're living for God like we should or not. And my friend, you can fool me. You can fool Brother Willis, but you will never fool your God. Never. Never. My purpose tonight is to be the most faithful man for God I can be. I want to be. How about you tonight? How about you tonight? Do you want to be the most faithful man or woman for God you can be? Or are you just satisfied with the bare minimums? We've got too many people that are satisfied with the bare minimums. We've got too many people that are satisfied with feel-good religion. God's not coming back for feel-good religion people. They'll be left behind. You say, that's pretty strong, Brother Rod. Yes, it is. But I tell you the truth. For the righteous scarce will be saved, where do the sin the ungodly yet appear? My friend, you must determine that. I can't for you. You cannot for me. Work out your own salvation, and that with fear and trembling. And with trembling, the prophet's role. Let me press on. The prophet Joel, we love to speak of the prophet Joel. His name meant a worshiper of Yahweh. A worshiper of Yahweh in Joel 2.1, blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm. You see, we need the alarm to be sounded right now. Jesus is getting ready to come. Jesus, he is ready to return. And sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. It's night hand. Verse number 28 of that chapter. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. The Lord give us some hope. He would pour out His Spirit upon us that are hungry. We got any hungry folks in here tonight? We got any hungry folks in here tonight hungry for more of the Holy Ghost? I'm not satisfied with that initial experience. I want that renewal. If I can every day, that's awesome. If I don't today, I pray to tomorrow. But I want that refreshing as much as I can get it. I want that closeness with God. And let me tell you this. If you want it bad enough, you'll get it. You'll get it. He wants you to have it. Our last tonight of the prophets that I really want to speak about would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The prophecy Isaiah foretold in Isaiah 43 about the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3 and 4, we'll read, once again reiterating the prophecy in Isaiah 43, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. God's, God's, God was counting on John to do the greatest task. He had such a great task. He was turning people who had become so cold in God. Does that explain our society, our world today? I would say so. I would say so today that it would be quite equivalent. We live in a world today that's so cold, they need a shock. They need something to be awakened from the sleep, the slumber, the stupor that they're in. John had a great job at hand. In the wilderness, he went and he taught, he preached. His wild preaching and his wild dress drew the crowd from Jerusalem. And many heard his word and were convicted and were baptized of him in the river Jordan. But as we read here tonight, it was a repentance, a baptism unto repentance, and about one that would come. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This great prophet had fulfilled his task right here in full. He introduced the Messiah. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He introduced the Christ. For us tonight, let us be reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. I'll read for you tonight. Media can pull for us. Ephesians chapter 2, 20 through 22. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building is fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Part of our foundation strength was through the prophets, later to be reestablished and established through the apostles. But Jesus Christ would tie it all together as our chief cornerstone, and we are that building, church. 
We are built upon that foundation. God is building a work in you. God wants to build a work in you. I'll quote often what Brother Willis has said. We know God is willing, but who will what? Who will let? Will you let Him work in you? Will you let Him reconstruct you? Will you allow Him to rework you? We sung tonight, Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. I yield to You. I want to be still that I can hear Your voice speak unto my heart. In closing tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 and 3. Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Verse 3, But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Jesus would leave us with a deep heaviness with the words we read tonight, though, when he said, Jerusalem, the prophets you stone, you kill. Those who would come to share hope with you, you reject. Them that tell you what you need to do, you won't listen. And then you have the audacity to say, if we'd been back in our Father's day, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. And Jesus put them in their place. You hypocrites, you are children of your fathers. You would do the very same thing. Oh, God, help us tonight that we would never fall in the category of these Jesus would sp he had spoke to. But we all determined, really, we all determined that, every one of us. There are modern Pharisees. I can tell you right now, it's only got, by God's grace we stand here tonight. I want to say it again, I'm nobody. And neither are you. And if you're going to be saved, we must remember we are nobody, and He's everything. He's everything. Would you pray with me? Master, I thank you tonight for your precious word. I thank you, Lord, for your great love, your mercy. I thank you, God, for the grace you've shown, Lord, though it's not deserved. I thank you, Lord, one day you called us out of darkness to walk in your marvelous light. You have given us hope that we never had before and a peace, God, that comes from heaven, a joy that is found only in your presence. I pray, God, tonight for every brother, every sister. I pray, God, for every heart in each home. For, Lord, you know, God, every area of need, and, God, you know every area of concern. I ask, God, by faith that you will move accordingly in each heart and each home. I pray, God, for those who will be watching and viewing. God, that you will speak to their hearts also tonight. For, God, there is a place for all who will come and bow before you and to confess before you and to surrender unto you. Let us hear from your word today and let it speak to us like never before. Awaken us out of sleep and slumber and help us to see where we are. For truly, Lord, you are near to come. And Lord, we want to be ready, God, more than anything. The words of the apostle, I am persuaded 
Thou art able to keep that which I have committed unto thee against that day. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.